chapter twenty five of prince or chauffeur a story of newport by lawrence perry this librivox recording is in the public domain the expatriate in the doorway armitage paused and as sarah and anne brushed silently past him he turned back into the room without looking at koltsov who was fumbling at push-buttons and roaring for his valet he walked over to takakika took a knife from his pocket reached down and cut his silken fetters there he said with a grim smile i didn't leave you bound to the mercies of his highness over there put that to my credit when you pray to the ancient samurai the jap scrambled to his feet rolled his eyes angrily at armitage and then shot out of the room like a bolt from a gun jack followed him making his way to the rear stairway and thus out into the night doggedly he strode to the clump of bushes where he had hidden the bag and his fingers were on the handle when with a quick exclamation he released his hold and sat down on the turf his head in his hands so this was to be the end how quickly his house of cards had fallen how completely had the fabric of a wonderful dream vanished to nothing it was all coming over him strongly now for the first time as he reacted from the absorbing incidents of the past hour fool sarah van valkenburg had characterized him unerringly he was all of that and worse and yet she had done her part to make him one he could understand exactly how anne wellington must have felt in view of sarah's representations to her concerning his presence in the house and certainly his own asinine attitude could have led the girl to believe nothing save that he had made his acceptance of employment at the crags the excuse for a romantic desire to be near her yet he had not designedly deceived her he had of course desired to be near her as to that he would have been willing to attempt expedients tenfold more daring than serving as her chauffeur that the main object of his sojourn there did not concern her was not his fault and he had not concealed that object from her with any idea of enlisting her interest under false pretences ah how he should like to tell her that now and make her believe it but that opportunity had vanished if indeed it had ever existed during those trying moments in koltsov's room in any event there was no opportunity now well once more his hand sought his bag he might as well clear out forthwith and have an end of it all but no he could not somehow sarah's warning flashed through his mind don't you dare go away what has she meant was there really some hope which she had divined where he saw nothing but blankness it was but a faint spark of hope but it kindled an irresistible desire to see anne wellington again not to speak to her but to fix his eyes upon her face and burn every detail of her features into his mind he fought against it he picked up his bag and walked toward the gate but it was like trying to dam a flood as in a daze he tossed the bag back among the hydrangeas and a few minutes later found himself in the house once more moving slowly through the crowded halls a few of the guests were departing at one end his questing eyes found anne she was shaking hands with an elderly couple and talking over her shoulder to a group of men she was smiling but her face was feverish 
for several minutes armitage stood watching her and then resolutely facing about he went out of doors intent upon quitting the place for good and all as he passed around the side of the house he looked up instinctively and found himself under koltsov's window once he saw the russian's shadow pass the illuminated square a thought occurred to him and then somehow flashed out of his mind it left him looking blankly up at that window vaguely trying to traverse the mental processes which had led to the missing thought then it came to him quickly he stepped from the path to the edge of the cliffs perhaps twenty feet from the side of the house and guarded by a low iron railing the moon now was well down in the western sky and a level path flowed across the waters to the base of the crags he looked over the railing and a glittering object caught his eye the revolver in all probability undoubtedly the ebbing tide had left it dry and if the weapon thrown from koltsov's window was within reach why not the control armitage's face burned it must be somewhere down there if he could find it much loss of time would be prevented but more if it could be found he and not koltsov must be the one to recover it at his feet the cliffs were precipitous he searched for the steps which he remembered were cut in the rock somewhere in the vicinity but it was too dark he could not find them he must wait until the first light of dawn showed him his ground it would save him perhaps a broken neck and of course simplify his search he sat down on the grass to wait lighting a cigar which he had taken from the smoking-room dancing had resumed the measured cadence of the music flowed from the windows and lulled by it fatigued with all the excitement of the evening his cigar waned and died his head fell on the turf he slept he dreamed that he was dancing with anne and that koltsov with sarah van valkenburg as a partner persisted in stepping upon his toes even in that ballroom with mrs wellington's gorgon eyes upon him the situation was getting unbearable he hated making a scene nevertheless he woke with a start the sound of wheels grinding through the gravel of the driveway brought him to his feet it was a strange sound eerie uncanny the darkness had gone and the moon the world was all grey objects showed dim and ghostly the ocean was shrouded in mist and the wind from the face of it was clammy heavy with salt moisture was dripping from the leaves the trees and shrubbery the sound of laughter came from somewhere for a moment armitage stood irresolute knowing that his heart was heavy and that the new day would bring no light for him spiritlessly he walked to the brink of the cliffs and saw the steps upon the far side of the curve thither he slowly made his way spirals of mist were arising from below as from a cauldron old new porters in truth had always known of it as the devil's cauldron hiding the wet slippery fangs over or among which the swish of waters was unceasing as he reached the bottom he paused for an instant and then as his eyes became accustomed to the pallid gloom he looked across an intervening stretch of about three feet of water and saw a glow of something lighter than the murk the package quick as thought he stepped over to the rock and then almost stumbled over a figure in a white ball-gown lying as seemed at first impression prone a sickening horror passed through jack as he bent down it was anne wellington she lay half on her side resting on her elbow her skirts twining bedraggled about her ankles with one hand she was mechanically lifting water to an ugly bruise upon her forehead as jack appeared at her side she smiled at him dazedly 
there she said lifting her hand feebly and pointing toward a water-soaked package at her side i i wanted to show you i was not a traitor she closed her eyes wearily i'm not really you know as she opened her eyes smiling wanly jack with a hurt cry threw himself at her side took her in his arms her head resting against his shoulder anne i couldn't let you think that she said it would have been all right i bungled horribly with my feet and slipped and fell tears were starting from jack's eyes and she saw them no no i'm all right she said just a bit dizzy i'm sorry i was going to bring it back to you so nicely and prove i was not an expatriate she shivered slightly and jack drew her close don't he said for a while she lay silent while the dawn whitened and gleams of steel flashed over the waters she was smiling now contentedly i looked all about for you after that that dreadful scene i couldn't find you anywhere i was afraid she paused as jack did not reply she looked suddenly up into his face then you can't forgive me forgive you sarah told me all she said she showed me how utterly outrageous i had been sarah jack inwardly breathed a prayer of gratitude to that young woman yes she told me but it was all so exciting so sudden how could i have known she raised her head and looked at him her eyes all smiles and all love of course it was so clear after sarah explained and even in his ecstasy jack found himself formulating a stern determination to demand at the first moment from sarah just what her explanation had been yet at the same time he would willingly have fallen at her feet and worshipped her anne was still looking at him then slowly she released herself from his arms and arose to her feet she was blushing haven't you anything to say to me jack and now jack blushed anything to say but he smiled guiltily really she exclaimed frowning jack came very close to her his hands at his side but looking straight into her eyes yes i have something to say i haven't any right to but i'm going to just the same anne wellington i love you i honour you since that night at the grand central station hang it anne i can't make a speech much as i should like to i love you that's all and 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 he stopped short she laughed that quick fluttering laugh of happiness much more eloquent than words jack she said that night i stood with you on the bridge of the destin then i knew i loved you the next instant she was crushed in his arms oh jack there were no more words but why words as the tide ebbed and murmured and the birds sang in the trees above they stood silent immured from all the world these two but neither doubting nor fearing end of chapter twenty five